0: I want to tell you something about myself that is a little embarrassing. It happens just about every single birthday. My family's wonderful. They know what I like and so they make an Oreo ice cream cake for me on my birthday. My wife and kids and sometimes my little sister get in the kitchen and they mix all the ingredients together and pop it in the freezer and before long my treat is ready. This ritual goes like this. My family brings out the Oreo ice cream cake. They begin cutting it with my wife, forcing that knife through the frozen cake. And then my kids take plates, each with a piece of the Oreo ice cream cake on them, and they pass them out. And I get my piece. And as we're getting ready to listen to the happy birthday that my family is singing, as they're getting ready to celebrate me, something happens... And it's what I'm a little embarrassed about. You see, my family is super excited. They are treating me. And and I, at that moment, should be totally filled with joy. In that moment, I should be thinking about the treat that I'm about to enjoy. I should be thinking about my family who loves me and is really glad to be with me. I should be praising God for another year of health and life. But there's always a moment where joy disappears, and it's right at that moment when the cake is handed out. Because I look around at everyone's piece of cake, and then I look down at my piece of cake, and the reason I do that is because I'm making sure no one else has a bigger piece of cake. Now, I know that's crazy, okay? I know it is. Kids do that, and if you're totally honest, adults do the same thing. Even if it's just a moment, you wonder, did someone else get a bigger piece than I got? And when I do that on my birthday, instead of experiencing the overwhelming joy that I should be experiencing for that moment, I just wallow in my selfishness. I should be experiencing unbelievable joy, but it gets robbed for just a moment. Now, Oreo ice cream cake, that's not a big deal. That's something minor, I know. There are a lot of people who are experiencing very, very difficult things, and in the midst of those things, their joy is stolen from them. They don't experience any joy. Right now, as you're watching this, a lot of us are experiencing hardship. In fact, I can say just about all of us in the age of coronavirus are experiencing hardships. We are finding it hard to have joy. There's so much that has gone on over the last few weeks. So many changes. So many things not going the way we imagined they would go. And we are not experiencing joy, at least for the most part. I know I often find it very difficult to be joyful. I'm thinking of some of what we're going through. The junior high school students and the high school students You're having a tough time. Some of you miss being in class. You all miss being with your friends. You feel isolated from them. No amount of Snapchat or Instagram or online gaming can connect you the way just being in the same space as your friends can. You've given up a lot over the last few weeks. You've given up sports, music, theater, probably given up prom. Graduation ceremonies are going to be missed. College students are graduating, and they're going to get the piece of paper, but they're probably not going to have the ceremony. These students have given up a lot, and understandably, understandably, you're struggling to experience joy. A lot of parents overnight became homeschool parents, and they were completely unprepared for this. All of a sudden, they're at home with their young students, they're getting coursework sent to them online, and they are supposed to sit there at the dining room table and explain this to their little ones. My wife is doing most of that in our family, and she's doing a great job with it. My little piece is to occasionally help out with math, and I'm just going to tell you, I never knew just how hard third grade math is. It's really tough and overnight we were thrown into this and a lot of you were as well. Finding any joy in that? There are senior citizens watching this and people who have health problems and you are legitimately experiencing fear just going out of the house. A trip to the drugstore can be dangerous for you, and you're wondering when it's going to get back to normal. You're wondering when things are going to be the same. Will they ever be the same? There's been a lot going on, and you're struggling to find joy. People of all ages, in all neighborhoods, are experiencing the frustration that comes from being locked in from the stay-at-home orders, from losing our freedoms, even if only temporarily. We want this to be over. We question whether it was handled the right way or not. And there are legitimate questions to be asked. But in the midst of all of that, we don't experience joy. We lose freedoms. We are isolated. And we are fearful. And with all of that going on, where's the joy? There's a man named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament in our Bibles. We call him the Apostle Paul. This is a man who knew a loss of freedom, a loss of isolation, and fear. He didn't know anything about coronavirus. He didn't know anything about a pandemic. For Paul, it was prison. Paul was locked up, and he shouldn't have been there. He had done nothing wrong. All he was doing was going around telling people about Jesus, the good news of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us, that he lived and died and that he rose again. And if we place our faith in him as our Savior, we are forgiven and we will be with him forever and ever. That's all Paul was doing, telling people that good news, and for that they put him in prison. He gave up his freedom in prison. He was isolated from his friends and family. He he had no idea when or if he would ever see these people again. That was part of his fear because would he get out of prison? Didn't know. Would he stay there for his natural life? Didn't know. Would he be executed in prison? He did not know. Paul experiences this full range of emotions and all of this uncertainty and yet he is able to tell us that in all of this he is experiencing joy. Doesn't that seem crazy? That seems so difficult for me to imagine that with all of that going on around him Paul is able to say I am joyful. How is he able to do this? How is Paul able to experience joy even with the loss of freedom and the isolation and the fear. How was Paul able to do it? Paul was able to rejoice because he knew that God had given him many gifts. And he wrote to a group of Christians in a city called Philippi about these gifts. That city, Philippi, is in what is now modern-day Greece. Paul wrote to these Christians about his joy. He wrote to them about gifts that God had given him, and he connected the dots. Paul understood that these gifts allowed him to experience joy. And you know what? Those gifts are not just for Paul. They are for you, and they are for me. We, too, can experience joy no matter what we're going through, even in a COVID-19 world, We can experience joy when we understand and embrace these gifts from God. We're going to talk about three of them today. Three gifts from God for Paul and for you and for me that allow us to experience joy. We're going to look in just a moment at Philippians chapter 4. Before we get there though, I want us to understand a concept that Paul talks about in this passage. It's very important for Paul. It's this phrase, in the Lord. In the Lord. Paul uses this nine times in the book of Philippians, in this letter that he writes to these Christians. We see it all the time. In the Lord. In the Lord. People can be confident in the Lord. They can trust in the Lord. They can agree. They can stop their fighting. In the Lord. And they can even rejoice in the Lord. What does Paul mean by that phrase, in the Lord? Here's what Paul's talking about. For Paul, everything he does, everything he thinks, everything he feels is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Paul's foundation for living. So that no matter what's going on, no matter how he responds, no matter what activities he has to do, no matter what he's feeling, everything happens in the Lord. Paul sees everything through the Jesus prism. What does Jesus want? What should I do in response to what Jesus wants? And so for Paul, everything is done in the Lord. That includes experiencing joy grab your bible now we're going to see what it's like to rejoice in the lord and we're going to see what these three gifts are that paul understands are for him and we need to understand are also for us pick up a bible here if you have it whether it is your hard copy of the bible or if you have it on your phone or your tablet however you read a bible grab it you may want to take some notes in this and maybe even highlight some things we're going to be in philippians chapter 4 Before we read the text, though, I want you to understand how all of this starts in Philippians 4, verse 10, where we're going to begin. Paul is writing a word of thanks to these Christians at Philippi because they gave him a wonderful financial gift to help him in his imprisonment. They sent it through a man named Epaphroditus. He brought the gift to Paul and gave it to him, and Paul was overjoyed when he got this. He was so encouraged. It allowed Paul to understand the first gift that we get from God that allows us to experience joy is the opportunity to serve others. We have joy in the Lord who gives us the opportunity to serve others. He gives us chances to help others out. The Philippians understood this. They didn't always get it though. What Paul explains here in verse 10 is the fact that the Philippian Christians, for a long time, were wrestling with how they could help Paul. What can we do? He's in prison, a long way away from us. How can we be of help? How can we be of service? How can we encourage Paul? They didn't know what to do. And they put their heads together and they said, we can take up a financial offering. We, we can put some money together together. And we can give it to Epaphroditus, and he can take it to Paul. That will help him, especially when he gets out of prison, if he gets out of prison. But it would also encourage him. He'd be encouraged to know we're thinking about him, praying for him, and would make a sacrifice financially for him. And so they gather this gift together, and they send it to Paul. And in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 10, we read this. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Paul is talking about their opportunity to serve him and to serve one another, and it's the same with you and me. Because as I've already mentioned, these Philippian Christians for a while didn't know what to do. How do we help Paul in his imprisonment? And right now a lot of us are experiencing that. We know there are many people who are dealing with issues surrounding the coronavirus, health issues, financial issues, issues of loneliness, and we want to help. There's a stay-at-home order. We're supposed to remain in the house unless we have to do something that is deemed essential. And so we feel totally locked in, completely unable to help, even though we feel like we want to. That's exactly what the Philippians were dealing with. How do we help Paul in his imprisonment? There's nothing that we can do. They put their heads together, they prayed, and they realized that a financial gift would encourage him. How do we serve each other and experience that joy in a pandemic where we are very limited in what we can do? I think we do the exact same thing. I think we prayerfully ask God to show us how, even in a limited way, we can experience the joy of serving others. There's a variety of ways that we can do this, and I'm sure some of you have ways that I haven't even thought of yet. We can, very simply, call someone, text someone, and be intentional about this. Schedule video calls with people. My wife and I have talked to friends all around the country over the last few weeks, people we haven't talked to in a long time, because the fact that we were in the house and we knew they were in the house too allowed us to take the initiative to talk with them. It's been wonderful just to see their faces, to hear what's going on, to hear how they're dealing with the coronavirus situation, and to pray with them. It's been wonderful. That's one way you can serve someone. If you have sewing skills, You can use material or old clothes around the house and make some masks that you can give away. If you know someone who is a senior and is unable to come out of the house, you can call them up and see if they need their grass mowed. I don't know about you, but my yard is ready. In fact, I think right after this service, I'm going to have to go out and mow it. It's getting pretty bad. You can call them and say, hey, can I pop over and mow your lawn? I just want to be a blessing to you. You can help. You could also, if you want to give a financial gift, our church, Village Bible Church, has a benevolence fund. This is money given to the church. It doesn't go to our budget at all. It doesn't pay any of our church expenses. It is earmarked for people who have financial need. You can give a financial gift to the benevolence fund if that's a way you want to help. Like I mentioned, I know if you prayerfully put your head together with some other brothers or sisters or members of your family, you too can find other ways that you can help even during a stay-at-home order. We have joy in the Lord who gives us opportunities to serve others. Paul understood that's a gift from God. It's a gift for you and for me too. That's one. Another way we have joy in the Lord is by understanding that He gives us contentment. It is God who gives us peace. No matter what the circumstance is. Paul says this, I think, pretty dramatically in the book of Philippians. When Paul talks about contentment, he's not saying he feels all right when everything's going well. He's not saying he's content when he's not in prison. Paul experiences that sense of peace no matter what is going on, whether things are going well or whether they are challenging, whether he has a lot of money or he has no money. Paul experiences joy no matter what that kind of contentment is supernatural. It is a gift from God, a gift to Paul and a gift to each of us. Turn back in your Bible now, Philippians 4 verse 11. Philippians 4 verse 11. This is what Paul says to these Philippians. Why is he rejoicing in the Lord? Because he understands God has given him contentment. He's learned it. He says to them, not that I am speaking of being in need For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's dramatic, isn't it? Paul understands that no matter what life brings his way, he can be content. How can he have that kind of contentment? And think of the world that Paul is speaking to. There were competing philosophies in Paul's day. There was one group called the Cynics and one group called the Stoics. And they were the people who were speaking into the culture and telling the culture how to react, how to behave, how they should think. You had the Cynics who were the pull yourself up by the bootstrap kind of people. These were the self-sufficient people. You leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone, and you you just let me do my own thing, and we'll be all right. That's what these people were like. They found their contentment in their self-sufficiency. They could handle things on their own. Then you had the Stoics, and they knew that they had needs, but Their way of handling it was to to pursue inner peace, to just sort of shove it all down inside, to be calm. That's how they responded. They knew there were challenges in life. They knew there was pain and there was suffering. But their way of handling it was simply to, as ostriches put their head in the sand, to act as though everything was just fine. In our modern day, we have these two groups of people. Instead of experiencing contentment no matter what is going on, instead of finding that in the Lord and in the Lord alone, people search for peace in different places. You have your self-sufficient people. I can do it on my own. I don't need you. I don't need anyone else. I can handle it. I'm smart enough. I work hard enough. I have the resources. I'm wise with my money. I take care of myself physically. I don't need anything. You have those people, the self-sufficient people. According to Paul, that's not true contentment. True contentment is not self-sufficient. It is Christ-sufficient. True contentment is understanding That everything we need comes through Christ, it is from Christ, everything that we have comes from the Lord. Everything is a gift from the Lord. We are completely dependent upon Him. Christ-sufficient, not self-sufficient. You also have the power of positive thinking crowd. These are the people who say, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what comes your way, as long as you have a positive attitude about it, everything will be okay. They're the serenity now crowd. Just cry out for serenity and it will happen. Now what we need to do, instead of simply tricking ourselves into feeling good, instead of experiencing that power of positive thinking, we need to be positive about the one who makes us to think. God made us, He formed us, He gave us brains to process everything going on around us, and we find true contentment when we think positively about Him, when we understand that it's His gifts that are lavished upon us each and every day that allow us to move forward, that allow us to have that peace, that contentment. If we're going to have that sort of attitude, that feeling, that sense of contentment, this takes intentionality, sisters and brothers. It does not come easily. We have to be intentional about this. God gives it to us as we intentionally push forward, remembering some things, including the fact that everything comes from Him. Remember I said this, we are totally dependent upon Christ. Take a moment now, wherever you're watching this, and look around. Maybe you're in your living room, maybe you're in bed watching this, wherever you are. Look around. What do you see? A couch? A chair? A table? A television? Maybe some pictures on the wall? You can peek into your kitchen and you can see cupboards with food in them and utensils and bowls and plates. All of those things are from the Lord. All of them are gifts from God. Understanding that everything that we have comes from Him leads us to contentment. All of those things. You're thinking, I worked hard, I earned those, I bought those, those are mine, that's from me. What Paul tells us is everything comes from the Lord. In fact, here's what I want you to do right now. What I want you to do is I want you to peek up from that monitor as you continue looking around, okay? Again, whether you're looking on your phone or wherever, I want you to peek up and I want you to see a few things in the room with you. And I want you, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, I want you in the comment section just, just to write a few of them down, okay? Type them in and let us all see them. I am grateful for the gift of my lazy boy chair. I am grateful for the gift of food in my pantry. Whatever it is, do this. Practice this. I'm not playing around here. I'm not trying to be cute. I want each of us to really experience contentment that only comes from understanding everything comes from the Lord. Everything comes from Him. Go ahead, type it in there. What what is it? What are you grateful for that God has given you? What is it? We have joy in the Lord who gives us opportunities to serve others. That's the first gift. We have joy in the Lord who gives us contentment. That's the second gift. But we also have joy in the Lord who gives us strength for every circumstance. He gives us the ability to withstand anything that comes our way. All of this comes from the Lord, and when we grasp it, we can experience joy. This verse that we're going to read here now is one that is very well known. However, it is often also taken out of context. Let's read this together here. In chapter 4, we're going to move down now to verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things Through him who strengthens me. A lot of people hear this verse and make it their life verse, and what they do is they use it to live a self sufficient life. They use it to say, I can push forward, I can be strong, I can do whatever I want to do because God will give me the strength to do it. I can get that job, I can get that promotion, I can get that raise, I can get that big house, I can get that fancy car, I can have that relationship. No matter what it is that I want, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Now see, we turn ourselves into some sort of superhero, like Superman. Back in the old days when Superman would come on the radio, there was an announcer, a very big-voiced man, and what he would say about Superman is, he's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. We act that way with this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be a superhero I can get it done. We give God a little bit of credit, but what we really do is march forward thinking that we can do whatever it is that we want to do. It's not what this verse is about. It's not how we find true joy. What Paul is talking about is, even in prison, even when injustice is happening to him, even when everything is out of his control, even when he's experiencing isolation and fear, even when he has no freedom, even when he doesn't know whether he will live to see tomorrow, even when all of that stuff is going on, he can push forward in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the strength that Jesus gives him. This strength comes supernaturally. It is not something that We can get just by trying harder, just by pushing in a more strong way. No, no, no. That's not how we get any of this. It is something that God gives us that empowers us to move forward no matter the circumstances. This is something that we need if we're going to experience joy in a coronavirus world or whatever the world looks like after coronavirus. We need this sort of joy, and the only way that we are going to get it is by understanding that it is God who is going to get us through this. It's God who's going to help us each and every day, no matter what comes our way. Paul is in prison. Remember, we touched on this earlier. He's in prison. It's unfair. He can't see his friends. He can't see any family. He can't in any way have any true hope of getting out, of ever seeing the light of day again, and yet in the midst of that, Paul is able to persevere. Paul is able to experience joy, and he knows that this is a gift from God, this strength from God to keep going no matter what is a gift from God. And because of that, Paul experiences joy. Three gifts from God that Paul understands are for him and for you and me. And each of these gifts allow Paul to experience joy and they allow you and me to experience joy as well. Paul understands that in the Lord we experience joy because he gives us opportunities to serve other people. Paul understands in the Lord we experience joy because he gives us contentment. And Paul understands that in the Lord we experience joy because he gives us strength for any circumstance. Brothers and sisters, these are tough times. And I wish I could tell you that it was all going to be normal tomorrow or in a month or in a year. I wish I could tell you clearly that there were answers to when the timeline was going to be laid out for some sense of normalcy. I wish we could tell you when we will all be gathered together again to worship in person. I wish I could tell you when we would all be able to meet in our life groups, our our small gatherings each week where we get together and study the Bible and pray for each other in homes. I wish I could tell you when that would happen again. I wish I could tell you when we'd be able to see each other face-to-face and give a firm handshake or a loving hug. I wish I could tell you when that is going to happen again, but I can't. But what I can tell you is if you will lean in to the Lord, praying, meditating on the truth of this book, the Bible, if you are able to do that on an every single day basis if you're able to do that sisters and brothers if you're able to reflect on these gifts that God gives us serving contentment strength if you're able to do this then you will actually be able to experience joy no matter what goes on over the next weeks months or years no matter what life brings your way 10 or 15 years from now you will be able to experience joy And I'm telling you, follow me on this, I'm telling you, if we experience that kind of joy in a world like this, in a world where there are things going on that are totally out of our control, if we're able to experience that joy, and over the phone or video call or at a safe distance, we're able to tell people who don't yet know Jesus about this joy, they're going to want it. They're gonna want what we have. They're gonna ask us, how can you be so joyful even with all of this going on? And we're gonna be able to say, it is only because of Jesus. We can only have this joy in the Lord. And then I'm confident he can do something in their lives just like he's done in yours, in mine. If you're someone watching in and you don't yet know Jesus, you're not quite sure exactly what this thing, the gospel is, or this good news. You want this joy. You want to know God, but, but you're just not quite sure about it. Follow me on this right here. If you're experiencing fear or isolation, if you're feeling the weight of the loss of freedom, and you want to know how to experience joy in that, the only way is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And all you need to do to have a relationship with Him is to acknowledge you are a sinner, someone who misses God's mark. You make mistakes. I do all the time. You're a sinner who needs someone to save you. You can't do it on your own. And only Jesus Christ, the one who lived, died, and rose again, can save you. You can say that right now in a prayer to the Lord Or you, if you're again watching on Facebook or YouTube, put a comment there and someone from the church will get in touch with you. We want to talk with you about Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with him and we want you to be able to experience joy during this time. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, rejoice. Experience that. Ask God to allow you, even in times when it doesn't make any sense, to experience the joy that only God can bring us.